0: Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joey Nelson from Christ Temple Church's Young Adult Ministry Community. Each week we're going to upload the message from our Wednesday night service in hopes that we can help build your faith, uplift you in your walk with Christ, and as Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, to help iron sharpen iron. So enjoy this week's message.
1: for about 14 years and um, before that youth that's where I close to Jody and Morgan before they were married um, but the marriage retreat something transpired there um, and I think the kids were just babies um, of course you were was like year five year six and uh, there was a lady that delivered a message and the lady that delivered the message We're going to give our testimony on Friday night, and the same lady's going to deliver that message Saturday morning. So, pretty powerful. That's Corita Gore. Corita and Tyrone are pretty amazing, pretty amazing folks. And so when that all happened accidentally, too, because um, Macy and James were praying about who was going to, to speak at the marriage conference this year. And they had already been praying about Currie and Tyrone. And so when they called us and asked us if we'd consider sharing, um, uh, there was no way we could go to the marriage conference because this is my wife's busy season. She's she's an educational consultant. She teaches teachers in all the school systems. So this is their big ramp up time. And uh, we looked at the calendar again. I said, just look real quick. He was on the phone and she gets, you know what? That whole thing, that afternoon got canceled that Friday so I could go. And so he was like, that's awesome. He said, let me ask you, what do you think about Tyrone and Corita Gore speaking at the conference? And I just like started like weeping (laughs) because he had no idea of the significance that they played in our marriage. So God put that together and it's really powerful. And what I want to talk to you a few minutes about, and hopefully we'll have some time for discussion. um, I just want to talk about family. And marriages and it doesn't matter where you're at, doesn't matter if you're single, if you're married, if you're in a broken marriage. Um we just we uh I really appreciate the opportunity to to share because what what our church really puts emphasis on is family because without family, family is the God ordained unit. I mean the church relationship with Christ was designed after the family unit. The family unit was fundamental to what god was building in society for his people um family is is so crucial what drove what really attracted us to this church was that pastor chuck um and jamie had such a uh, emphasis on children and family and that really spoke to our heart of course we had three little ones i mean they were little little when i came here um will tell you some funny stories about that but so I, I, I appreciate that Pastor uh, and Jamie have cultivated that here. And then what Pastor Joey and Morgan are doing here is, this is incredible. This is what this group is, is doing together and growing together. Um, it's one it's one of the many um, bright lights in our church that, that's really helping a and share the love of Jesus and really it's changing families. Here's how I know because when I'm upstairs on Wednesday night, we, we used to have like 10, 10 or 15 kids and now we've got like 40 or 50 boys and they're crazy. <laughs> they're out of control. So if you've got a boy on Wednesday night, hey, I feel, I'm sorry. I love you. Um last time I was up there I had to threaten that I was gonna walk them all down in front of Pastor Chuck while preaching and take them to find their parents. Because they, they were crazy. I mean, I'm guys, I'm talking crazy. I'm talking holes in the garage wall, blowing each other through. Two weeks ago we had a broken arm. Is the broken arm mom here? Two weeks ago we had a broken arm on the playground. It, they're Fair while, and uh, so anyway.
2: Well,
1: you I had a nosebleed. Okay, so what I'm about to say right now, I wanna challenge you, I just wanna bless you. Uh, there's no condemnation of anything that we're saying, and I think by sharing, being a little bit vulnerable with where we've, we've been before, and we don't have it all figured out now, let me just say that. Um, but you're in a broken family, divorce, You've got a whole family, blended family. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about uh, the importance of family, and there's been a blessing that I've been able to step into. I sit on the shoulder of giants that accomplished so many things in the spirit realm uh, before I even came along. Um, my wife and I, when we came together, we came from polar opposites. She came from a home that was, you know, they, they were religious in a way. You know, if you heard people say, well, they're religious. Um, they never went to church, and they never lived in any type of victory. You know, they, they lived in broken home, divorce. Um, her dad abandoned the, the family, you know. Um, we, we found out later it's probably some PTSD. He was an emergency worker, had some really terrible trauma. But she grew up, you know, miles away from her dad, you know, at Christmas, and he never called her. Birthdays, that type of thing. I grew up middle class, you know, pastors, home. You weren't allowed to sin. I was more afraid of my dad than I was of God because my dad would kill me. God would forgive me. My dad would kill me. <laughs> Sherry, on the other hand, I think she didn't kill me for telling you all this. She was smoking at age 11, I think. Or <laughs> 11. So she grew up with completely polar opposite.
2: Uh, she don't smoke now. No,
1: she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Liz Rudd tells horror stories of being a bus parent on the bus that picked her up, and like she would get in fights, and it, Liz would kick her off the bus for like two weeks. That's all she did was fight. She'd fight a man, a boy, a girl, didn't matter. So we come from really different backgrounds, but I will say that we 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 when we came together, we uh, everybody's broken. Okay, I don't care if you grew up in church, if you grew up in a Christian home, if you grew up, we we are in a broken world, and there every one of us dealing with brokenness. And a lot of times what happens in marriage is you start exacerbating each other's brokenness. So you get close to one another, and really close, and you touch those wounds of each other, and you open those wounds up, and, man, it creates all kinds of chaos in a marriage. And um, we were no different. Uh, you know, the, the enemy's plan was for for us to be over with, but by the grace of God, it survived. And um, it, we've been there 25 years as of August uh, 14th. So, let's make get this to work. And I'm an IT guy, so hopefully we can. Um, so I got some pictures of her, uh, I wish she could be here, but um, we've been married 25 years, and we've been in ministry 25 years. I was helping with youth and wanted to be a youth pastor, but my dad and his wisdom as a senior pastor was not about to put a single 18 year old, 19 year old boy uh, as a youth pastor without a wife and I'm thankful for that that's why I didn't understand at the time I thought that's stupid you know but as soon as we were married we were pastoring you know a youth group and um, and we've done ministry right we've done ministry wrong we've raised kids right we've raised sometimes wrong we've learned we were kids raising kids you know we were 19 I was 19 when we got married and um, uh August uh, ten days after our first anniversary, Bella came along. So I mean, we were we were right into the mix of it all with the kids. And uh, let's see, let me take that back a little bit. Uh, can't see what I'm doing. Um, so everything looks great in an Instagram photo, right? Everything looks awesome. These are the highlights, and nobody sees the lowlights that much. But man, there's a lot of there's a lot of tough, dark moments. In any family. It doesn't matter if you are called a pastor or if you make a certain income. I mean, it, it, it does not discriminate. Amen. The enemy does not discriminate. Yeah, It doesn't discriminate. If your parents were saved, pastor's kid, you <clears throat> raised on the streets, it doesn't matter. Um, but we were really thankful because of the kids and the, the, the life that we had and um and life we still have and it's grown it went from little little kids to uh adults that we're so proud of that i didn't even have to beg them to be here tonight you know they wanted to be here and now we have we had three and now we have five because we have a a son-in-law which more like a son and a a daughter-in-law who's more like a daughter and so god's blessing has perpetuated but what I want to share with you guys is just some keys that my dad's a master at family. He really is. He's in the hospital right now. He's in the ICU. I've been there with him. What, how many days we've we been there? Since Wednesday, last Wednesday. Well, last Wednesday
2: night so um, so.
1: Morgan and, and Joey were kind enough to say, "Hey, if you need to take the time," but honestly, right now we're in the middle of a fight. Our our family's <laughs> in the middle of battle on multiple fronts, um, and. We did not, we talked about it. We did not want to get into the enemy one-inch. When when we have a, an opportunity like this, we're, we're kind of stepping into a new time in our life. Our kids are growing. Um, they are leading the children's ministry now, Pastor Eric. Um, and we're really getting asked a lot to talk about family. And uh, this will be our first opportunity to talk about family tonight.
2: Wow.
1: Um, and so we didn't, uh, we didn't want to back up, you know, so I'm going to hospital right after this. Dad's going to be fine. He's getting better, but it's been pretty, pretty scary. Um, but I'm going to give you some of the th- quick things that my dad has given us over the years, and just say a few things, and and then hopefully we'll have a few minutes to discuss. And I'm gonna, I'll be here for a few minutes afterwards if you all want to talk a little bit more. But um, our goal is just to tell you how what God has done what God has done and what he, he's no respecter of persons. He won't do something for us that he wouldn't do for you. you got to recognize that. He is a just God. He is a good God. He loves you. He doesn't love so-and-so more than you. That's not how he works. And so um, the first thing I want to say is the mandate to husbands. And most of you husbands may know this. Um, we're talking about nurturing heaven in your home, in your household. The first thing that, that is paramount is for husbands to recognize that it's your job to give, 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 give. I mean, it's it's, um, it's God's mandate. Ephesians 5 and 23 says, uh, well, this scripture gets misconstrued. Everybody know the scripture? The husband is the what? Head, Head right? That's where they stop. okay the head of the life even as Christ is the head of the church this is the part we don't talk about what did what analogy was were they using the apostle Paul when he wrote this to church of Ephesus what analogy was he using with Christ and the model that a man has to have in his home that he would give right say that word give himself for her that he'd give his life his body that's everything not even if you look at uh, the physiological way that we have copulation with one another it is made to where the man is giving giving and so this whole notion that well you know i give but she don't give back you know i give her and i give and i give and i give it's not her job to give back to you here's God's promise when we give as a husband, as a father he takes care of you man and I promise you I've lived this where I've tried to get reciprocation I did this for you and you didn't do this for me I did this and I did this and I did this it wasn't her job just like God's not expecting you as his child to to do for him, he wants to do for you, and he wants to change your heart from the inside out. That is your role as a father, as a husband, is to change your family from their heart to the out. And so that's your, that that's including your wife, her needs above yours, her calling. Listen, this is tough for a lot of men, okay? Her calling. It's your responsibility as the priest of your home to, to, To pull out the calling in them, and then to call out the calling in your children, and to cultivate that, um, because God will take care of you. He will reciprocate. It's not her job to reciprocate. It's not your kids' jobs to reciprocate it. He will reciprocate it to you. And when I learned this, it was about year five, six, or seven. Everything changed. Everything changed for us. And, man, it feels lonely, guys, sometimes like that. But I promise you, God will reciprocate it to you. He will bless you beyond measure. The other thing is that we—I mentioned this—is that we understand that you both are broken, okay, and that that brokenness—we hurt one another, not even meaning to, because there's brokenness in you and brokenness in her and brokenness in each other, um, and because of this broken and fallen world, we end up. Have you, parents, don't raise your hand, but have you noticed sometimes you damage your kids because you handle something wrong? And you're like, oh Lord. And we joke about it. Like, is this gonna be like a pastor counselor session to fix this when they're 20? are they gonna need professional counseling because I lost my cool um, or because I scarred them by the way I handled that, you know, or that that I didn't protect them from this? They, we live in brokenness and, To understand that God brought that person into your life to help bring healing to them, but they, and we'll get to this another point, they are not your source of healing, but they are meant to, to be part of your healing. Um, but usually what happens is as is, uh, the closer we get, the more we bristle. Um, Jimmy Evans says that he and his wife were like two porcupines trying to love each other. You know, the more, the closer they got, the more they hurt one another. and. and you kind of exacerbate each other's wounds and your wounds are different that's kind of what attracted you because you your spirit sensed that there was something in them that was that was different than what what you had dealt with um, marriage takes a lot of work <laughs> to be successful it takes a continual investment and my dad used to say this in ways like son you need you need to go out of town with your wife. You know. Um, you, need to, you need to spend time with her away from the children. When you're raising little kids, the world's tough. Can I get an amen? <laughs> um, they demand they demand your attention. Your undivided, they want, they will, if you, they don't have your attention, they're going to make it to where they have they will get it. And so the only way that you can make the attention for one another, like, needs to be, is sometimes you just have to, just have to separate. Now, it's really hard when they're little, especially if you don't have help, <clears throat> you don't have family. But recognize that even, like, something as simple as dating. Um, my mom used to tell me this, son, you've got to keep doing what you did to get her to keep her. And I was like, mom, come on. You know, and, and with men, we, we have a we have a conquest type of mindset of winning that, and when we won it, we won. You know, but if you've been married long enough, you realize like you're always chasing her, <laughs> you're always chasing her heart. Just like again, the analogy of God is chasing your heart, um, and that keeps the fire in your marriage, it really does. But not just dating, but I'm talking about praying together. There's nothing like praying together, going to church together, um, marriage retreats, marriage conferences. Uh, we never, we had never been to a marriage conference, my wife and I would, until last year. And I'm telling you, we were 24 years going on 25, it changed our life. It changed our life in ways I can't even explain. We talked about things we had never talked about. Uh, we uh, became more intimate in our discussion, the things that really were, were heavy on our hearts that we had never talked about. We just kind you know how you go on and you just kind of just skip it, <laughs> bury it and go on. And we had so much growth from that um, from that conference, and it didn't stop. I became like obsessed with Jimmy Evans and like listening to their content. And, and the more I listened, the more I would like cry. <laughs> because I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have known that, you know? I wish I would have seen that. And it, its it takes work though. It takes, I mean, so we started reading books together and things we never had really done. Um, but it takes a lot of work. Intimacy is more than physical. Intimacy is multi-dimensional. It really connects mm-hmm. with this is that if you want to connect physically you've got to connect with soul first that happens through prayer it happens through worship together it happens through discussion it happens through deep sharing sharing your dreams and your goals and your aspirations and what god's told you and what god's put in your heart a marriage a family should not be a place where this is kept secret from everybody this is a this is the place this is the incubator for God's glory to work in your family, in your spouse, in your children. And um, the intimacy start, I mean, I'll tell you, it's, it, the enemy will fight you on your way to church. I mean, especially with this, with kids, oh my gosh. I mean, it's just like, it's like pulling teeth to get everybody to church and get, but there's another side of it, just holding your spouse's hand if you can ride with them to church. And worshiping together and holding hands while you're worshiping and praying together. And there is a powerful thing that happens with your bond, with that intimacy, from being in the presence of the Lord, from the Holy Spirit working upon both of you while you're joined together in agreement. And so, just, and then you can be vulnerable with each other. It's because there's the glory of the Lord protecting that. Um, I want to talk about just a few more things real quick. Um, understand genera- generational blessings and cursings are really important to understand. And you can step back and look at somebody else and say, oh my gosh, their grandma's crazy. Their mom's crazy. They're crazy. Uh, and a lot of what you can see in somebody else, you don't necessarily see in you. You don't see what you're carrying that has been... A lot of this comes from, I don't want to get too heavy tonight, but a lot of this comes from iniquity. Iniquity is a generational sin, it's not just an act. It's a, it's, a, it's a character issue. It's a sin of the heart, or it's a way that something was carried forth that is past generation to generation. The Bible talks about it in Exodus 34 and 7. It says that iniquity will visit the Son... And the children's children of the son—we're talking third and fourth generations. But here's what's so much better: we focus on that scripture so much. Praise God! Deuteronomy says that the blessing goes to a thousand generations. You talk about God just coming over the top on the enemy. Yeah. Said, "Okay, all right, yeah." We focus on these generational blessings or generational curses. And this is what I appreciate about pastor. Pastor talks about outrunning what the enemy's trying to do is by going after what god's got for you so much and you can you can you can uproot that stuff that is haunted I'm, here's a big one bitterness resentment that gets in a, in a family and they say oh they're just stubborn they've written them off and yeah you, you just cross the line with him and he's never going to be right with you and you look at his daddy was the same way hates everybody don't go to church you know so and so won't get along with anybody, can barely stomach going to Thanksgiving dinner, that's a generational curse. And that needs to be uprooted. That's not God's plan for your family. And so when you see that in you, here's when you see see it in you, when you see one of your kids doing it. And you're like, where did that come from? Oh my gosh. That's coming from, that's my dad in him. That,
0: I don't have that. And mom's like,
1: yeah, that's that you you definitely have not dealt with that. And so I can tell you in our family, generational curses that my father pulled up. I mean, dark stuff, guys. Dark stuff nobody ever talked about. And that his dad pulled up. And my kids never had to face it. My kids never had to face it. And now they're, they're, there's stuff in their life that they're going to pull up. Their kids will never ever face because the blessing outdoes those curses. It does, <laughs> but it's really important not to ignore them. It's really important not to just like, just like ah, and just bury stuff like that. It's really important to understand it. Um, and I told Sam and Gabby and Bella and their spouses, don't you dare give up ground that was taken from the enemy by your by your family. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. I'm going to get emotional when I talk about this stuff because this stuff's so, so strong to me. And I see, uh, I see kids upstairs that are just, they have, we've got kids, guys, that are, they have lived through hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some of the stories I'll tell them, Brady because he's their buddy. And, um. And we want to stop that stuff. We want to uproot that stuff. But I I tell my kids, don't you dare play around with the devil and let him get a hook in you and give up ground that has been won generations before you ever got here. And I'm talking about financially. I'm talking about with healing. I'm talking about with integrity. I'm talking about with fidelity in your marriage. Don't play around with that kind of stuff. Don't. Play around that stuff because the enemy is looking for a way, a wedge, to get in and stop what God's can do. Stop God's blessing. Um There's your caveat to this next one. Uh, Let's see where I'm at. I think my mouse died. <laughs> Spouse is first in the marriage, not the kids. Now, there's caveat. When you got little kids, <laughs> they are wild. Okay, we all know this. They are growing, they, they require so much concentration of attention. But you've got to make it to where they understand when they start getting to an age that they understand mommy comes first for daddy. Um daddy comes first for mommy. And here's the thing that happens in in marriages where this is not established as a boundary. If this isn't established, the kids will try to work against you guys and it becomes teenagers that are working with one against the other. And here's the other really twisted thing that's happening. Maybe you grew up in a household like this, so, where your parent, trust you more than they, their spouse and they confide in you about stuff even with the other one yeah. man that is so screwed up for a kid, it's so messed up for their spirit there becomes, I mean there's clinical uh, stuff about this, about how it becomes an emotional dependence, that you're codependent on your child and you cannot launch that child into what God has for them because you need them wow. you need them in your life and you're broken if they go accomplish what God's had for them. That's not God's plan, you know. And so you got to establish clearly up front that. And, and this goes for. I had a great model for this. My dad made it very clear I was not to disrespect my mom. He said to me, "Well, Gabby, you can go ahead and tell that story. Of what you 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 jumped on mom one time in front of me, or I heard about it at yeah. dinner." I didn't handle this the right way, but she got they got the point across what happened.
2: He said he said, That is my wife. He said, I can never make another one of her, but I can make another
1: one of you. you never one of <laughs> ever my wife before she was your mom. Yeah. And I think I may have, I may have gotten a little temper, like maybe physical, like grab the child. Uh, I think with me, my dad grabbed me by my throat, and threw me up against the wall. But I never did it again. I'm not saying that's the right way, but I'm saying he made a point that I understood that it was established clearly that that was his wife before it was my mom. Okay, so you've got to establish that, or else you're gonna break you're gonna break your family if if you get that twisted out of the way. Um, uh, a couple other things. Um, your child is not yours. <laughs> yeah. This is a thing that we think we own this child. Mm-hmm. God's blessed me with this child. That is God's child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are a steward of that child. Mm-hmm. They are his. Um, don't mistreat his child. Um, I tell you, when I, I, I was kind of a hard hit, Young age and still can't be, but having girls first softens me. And then Michael, are you there? Hey man? Having girls first can soften, it, soften your heart. After four, I'm just like yeah, I'm that much. yeah. I, mean, much? <laughs>
2: yes, I don't know what it is. I
1: thought my dad hated me most of my life because he just felt like I was challenging him all the time. And he didn't hate me. He was just like making it clear he was dad and I was the son. And so the same you know, you start to have some of the other testosterone in your house that is kind of like challenging things. And I'll tell you one time God had to God had to really correct me on this. And Gabby mentioned to me when I was sharing this with her that it's happened multiple occasions. So. Um, Samuel and I, he was a teenager, he was a young teenager, like little but he was still a teenager and he's kind of smart mouth or whatever, but he he didn't have a bad spirit about what was going on at this time. We were fishing and I was so frustrated, probably from nothing that we were doing and probably from getting some bird nests or whatever. And something happened that just was a straw that broke the camel's back. Generational curse has been temper, okay, just just disclosure, we're dealing with that. (laughs) Um, We've made huge strides in that, you know? But I flew off the handle on him for nothing really that warranted it. Like, flew off the handle. I had a brand new iPhone, just picked it up from the store. And as soon as I got with my rant with him, I sat down and the phone just folded like that. And that made me even more mad, right? And God said, are you gonna learn? Are you gonna learn? You take my blessing off of your life when you mistreat my son. And I was like, and I uh, immediately like Lord I'm, I'm sorry that's that's your son first I'm sorry I'm sorry and a lot of times we, we get that wrong but they're they're God's first it's our job to help cultivate their calling and God's plan for their life um, this kind of goes in tandem with what we talked about earlier is fathers your job my dad always told me this you, you want to i my yeah, I don't want my kids to know I love them. I really want them to know I love them. And, God, and fathers come to me today with this request: like, how can I show my family I love them? And I was like, the number one thing you can do is love their mom, and that means to honor her, to, to show her, show her a, a place of dignity. You know, our house was not a place where we made fun of mom. Okay, that's <laughs> not a thing that. And there's households that are like that. And you may have, your dad grew up like that, and his dad grew up like that, or whatever. But there is nothing more important to your daughters (laughs) and to your sons than to show them how a man is to treat a woman. Because that's the model they're going to accept for a boyfriend, for a husband. Um, You know, I'm thankful because... Sherry didn't have that model. I had a model of what that was. So when she saw how I, how we handled things, it was it was even new to her. But just recognize that your number one job is to love them. And I, I, want, to, um, I want to tell you a couple things real quick about idols. There can be idolship in family. You know, we know what idols are, right? You should have no other gods before me. We know the story of, of Jacob and and his wife when she went and stole Laban's idols and hit them, right? And what are idols? These are the things that we put in front of God. They're things that that we place more importance on than God. And idols today are not a, just a physical statue, they're huge strongholds in our life. Um, for me, an idol has always been work. Work can be an idol for you, um, and here's here's the here's the thing about work. A man can say, well, I'm providing for my family, I'm doing, I'm, I'm, and, and, and you are, and in me, the idol of work was not really to escape my family, I love my family, it was because I was so scared and so fearful that we wouldn't have enough. We struggled financially for a long time, and, and I didn't have a degree, I still don't, I still don't have a college degree, um, College degrees are great, but I didn't have one. We didn't have a chance to finish school when the kids were around. And I always felt like, man, the imposter syndrome, they're gonna find out, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And I would literally work till two or three in the morning trying to figure stuff out, but guys could figure out work just so that I would shine the next day. And that I would be safe. But I made that an idol because what, what I was doing is I was, putting work above everything. Work above um, being home for the kids. Work above the importance of God. and um, I mean, there were times that we did devotions every night and we prayed every night. And then there were times that dad wasn't home any at night before the kids went to bed. Uh, another thing that you can make an idol is your spouse. <laughs> your spouse is a poor Jesus for you. They are not your savior. They are not your they are not your redeemer. They are not the thing to heal your brokenness. God can use them, but it's got to be Jesus. The biggest point of failure with Sherry and I when we were going through to get ready to go through a divorce was that I had elevated her to the place of God. I adored her, but she's a human, and she was going to let me down at that level. And the other thing was that she was looking at me as the dad she never had, and the brokenness that she never had, and I was wounding her and letting her down, and we were trying to make each other each other's savior. And man, that's a that is a that is an idol above God. Um, family can be an idol where you are so. Consumed with family, 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 we're going to do family, night. we're going to do family night, we're going to do this, where it's, you know, there's no room for God. Um, for us, it, it became uh, travel ball. I mean, you get you a kid that's good at sports, and, and this is no condemnation for your kids are in travel sports, but, you know, our kids were good at this, and this one was good at that, and the next thing you know, they're getting recruited to play on this team and this team. And my wife, every Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, we're going to separate parts of the region in cars trying to barely you know, pay for a room. And, and we can look back and we've been, out, been to church two or three times in the last six months. That's what can happen. Yeah. And that thing has become, in the name of family and being there for your kids, has kind of misaligned what's important. And the other thing that has been an idol in our life has been ministry ministry is not your relationship with god there's your relationship with god there's love the lord with all your god with all your heart and then there's love your neighbor okay and ministry is about people ministry is about serving and taking care of people but you can serve so much that you've got nothing nothing for home nothing for your wife nothing for your kids We joke, but it's it's painfully true. If my wife would have had a good model of a dad and a husband She she never had that model if she would have had that model. She would have kicked me in the curb a long time ago Because she would have recognized when I was working 80 hours in a week just stupid 80 hours in a week that didn't really help us financially. It was just so that I could do this or be the hero or whatever it was and left her (coughs) That whole time, you know, in the name of ministry. That's not that's not that's not godly, <laughs> that's not honorable. And you find out you're you doing a lot for, for yourself. You're doing it for, man, that was awesome. You're doing a great job, or you're doing it for hoping to see change in this person or this person or this person. And you're getting your priorities totally, totally out of whack. Um, so be on guard for idols. Um, I think these are out of work. I'll finish real quick with these. Let your home be a safe place for a discussion. I grew up in a household where respect was key, like respect, respect, respect. If you challenge me, if you ask me a question, it's disrespect. You don't have a right to disrespect. That's no, just the way he was my dad and mom were raised. They were just old school. And what we started to realize is where the kids were growing up and they weren't talking to us. Because we were shutting them down so much. Just like, don't you disrespect me? Don't you yeah? And we had really, it was really difficult to to try to change that culture. And we came up with this phrase, you can talk to us about anything, you can ask us any question, you can challenge anything, you can question anything as long as it's done respectfully. And that was so key because our house became a place, and I'm not talking about, you know, there's two extremes there, is the house that never talks about anything. And then there's the house that gossips and tells every filthy thought that they have about one another, and I hate you, and all this stuff. It's just toxic. Yeah. I'm talking about healthy, honorable discussion that helps grow you and brings wisdom. There's wisdom in your spouse, there's wisdom in your kids. Gabby helped me prevent a big pitfall while we were putting this together because I had something on here she thought was hilarious. I was like, thank you. For telling me that it kind of hurt my feelings but she was like she was like you don't want that on there trust me and it was just it was something it was something that to her age group was really funny it wasn't like dirty or anything it was just funny and I was like I really needed that wisdom and if I had been so full of you better respect me which is pride dads then I would have not listened to her but here's the thing if you want to know your family it's not about their actions, it's not about the words that they said, it's not about the music they're listening to, it's about their heart. Everything in the New Testament Jesus was worried about was not the Pharisees and the law, it was about their heart. And you can't know what's in the heart of your family unless there's a safe, open place for talk and discussion. And the way they feel like, I can ask that, That I can ask that, anything. And I I, I fell short of that mark in a lot of ways, but it was... It was it was a step in the right direction, but I think you all, if, if you learn that, that let your kids talk, let them tell you their insecurities and their their concerns about even what they're learning in the church or as they grow up, let them, let them talk to you about that, or, you know, we had some tough discussions about things that, that were really challenging for me as a dad, because I didn't have the answer, <laughs> like, dad, this is a really good person, but they don't believe like we do. They're a really awesome person. They're really kind. They're better than most Christians are. What, 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 what about that? <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, I need your help on this one. I don't want to just say, oh, that's
2: what I said. <laughs> that's
1: kind of what some of us were told, right? I said so. And then when you're dealing with a three-year-old that's running out in the street, it's because I said so. Right? But when, the, when, they're, when they're starting to learn, you have to be able to check that heart. And then self-righteousness is a killer. See, I had a lot of that raised up. Three generations of church. What you you don't realize is that you become a little bit uppity in your mind about spiritual things. And uh, we're really going to talk about this in the marriage conference, but I almost had a superiority complex uh, over my wife because she didn't know what I knew about the Bible. She wasn't raised in church like I was, but there was a grace for her that God gave it for her, and we talk about it today, that she's God's favorite in our household. Yeah. There's no question about it. Everything, when it comes to the heart of God, it favors her because...
2: We want her praying. Yeah, she we is. want her praying because she's in the
1: heart of God, um, but... There, there can be a self-righteousness. I mean, you start to see it in your kids when they start being judgmental about somebody. And you're like, that's not God's heart. You know, or we're better than them. And you're like, what in the world? That was your, you don't even know this. That was your mom when she was a kid. You know, Pastor Chuck says this statement. It's powerful. He said, if you knew everybody's story, you would love them. Because everybody has a different story than we do, has a different background. And when you get full of, self-righteousness God can't reach you you're going through this religious mindset of what you think is right you're not you're not hearing from God and God can't use you for other people because your heart, heart is your heart is hardened towards them so your heart has to be clear and it can't be if you if you look at what you've got well we got that because we're live right Okay, yeah, there's a there is such a thing as making a stand that we're not going to compromise on this, just like I told the kids, we're not giving up the background. There's another thing to recognize that God delivered us the same way He can deliver them, and we're no better than them. So, um, I know we're running close on time, but I wanted to share some of these. It's a lot, every one of these is probably a sermon. Sorry, Julie. <coughs> um, but. I've got a few resources. If you all have phones, um, something kind of exciting that is getting ready to happen. This thing's not working. Um, This QR code, giant QR code. If you go to this, it's going to talk about the Jimmy Evans. Jimmy Evans has got a YouTube video that is so powerful. It talks about how we make our about that topic of our spouse being our savior. And how that messes up everything. And he talks a lot about brokenness. Brokenness has been kind of a key component. So that's a resource I wanted to leave you guys with today. And while we have some time, maybe we could, if anybody's got any questions. Also, my wife and I are going to be hosting a parenting class here at the church. Um, we uh, we believe it's coming this fall. Um, Pastor's all for it. He's like, you need to get this moving. Pastor Eric's asking me about all the time because... Um, we see we see kids that would benefit from it. Mom and dad had had some 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 parents are first generation that never they've never even been told the stuff. You, I can take it for granted because my dad's told me this stuff all my life, you know. <laughs> but um, the the parenting class will be probably a, a short stint with a topic for each week, and we're going to talk about everything from raising little kids and finding their purpose to raising adult, you know, raising adults and, and how you go from the dictator of a parent to keep them from killing themselves and dying to where you're, you know, Samuel, Bella, Gabby, they don't have to listen to me. They don't. They choose whether they want my input now because that's where they're at in life. And so that's a whole different cadence. It's a whole different relationship. Um, and, and setting your kids up to be um, successful adults that, that are not dependent on mommy and daddy still, you know, I attribute that a lot to your mom, who's tough, isn't she? She, he, she was the
2: tough
1: one, like, we fell on our bikes, get up, you're going to be fine, you'll be okay. I am like over, like, my mom was like, like, oh, wait <laughs> And, and the other thing that she was like, you all are enough to wash your clothes? Well,
2: oh, I mean, we were 13 years old doing our own. She's
1: lifestyle. like, I'm, I'm done. done? Me too. I'm <laughs> done doing one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 16. You know,
2: Mom, what are we having for dinner tonight? I don't know. There's we, some cans of peas. You we know. had a fit for yourself night. Yeah, that's what she would call it. Fit for yourself night. And then 16, 17,
1: getting her own jobs. She's like, hey, I'm not cooking for you it's in two years. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to start figuring it out. Here's a day a week or a couple of days a week for you to Yeah, cook. not every meal
2: like that. Yeah, you
1: know, just <laughs> pepper in to figure it out.
2: Mom, are you going to help us with our insurance or our gas? Well, we paid for your
1: cart, and you can do the other stuff. You can get a job work. I was work. like, Sherry, would we'll probably, probably tip in a little bit help them. She's like, no. I'm not, having, I'm not having a twenty five year old still asking for gas money. Or I don't want to go out to eat, Mom, can I have you know, I was like, man, that's man, okay. Yeah. So, but
2: she had
1: some wisdom in that. She did. She did. So there's a lot to attribute to her because if it was just me there'd probably be like Yeah, I'm a little soft. So Anybody got any questions or don't be afraid to ask anything, whether it's marriage, parenting, church, ministry stuff. Um, yeah.
2: What can you say to those who might not be in the season yet, but identified as a as growing up in some of the ways that you talked about? Maybe they don't have kids and they yeah. don't recognize that that's a generational curse yet, but they immediately felt this sinking feeling in their stomach, like Um,
1: What would you say to them about that? I would say when we were, when we actually quit ignoring our brokenness uh, and actually started dealing with it, Sherry couldn't fix mine, I couldn't fix hers, so it it didn't matter being married. Marriage is like almost like just a compounder of what is. It's not uh,
2: magnifying.
1: It's a magnifier. You know, you've heard money is like amoral. It doesn't make you evil or great. It just magnifies what you really are underneath it all. Marriage just like is like a multiplier. So if you got problems inside, <laughs> then those problems are just like a lot more problems. Uh, and I can only tell you from the easy answer is like Jesus, right? But it wasn't until I was mm-hmm. broken enough to say, God, I need you. I really need you. To, to fix this because it's not right. I'm not I'm, I'm something's wrong with me. I am losing the love of my life or, and it might be in your case it's like I'm desperately lonely. But I need you to I need you to address this in me. What is it? And it, it really listen the breakthroughs with God come from surrender, don't they? Amen. I mean it's like when you're at your wit's end and you're just like I give up. It was like a give-up moment. And if you recognize there are some of those things, then that's a prompt by the Holy Spirit for you to surrender that to God and say, God, I recognize that's something in me that's broken, and I want you to heal it. And it doesn't matter where, I mean, it does matter. Not, when, when someone says it doesn't matter, they think. But, um, sometimes that sometimes it can come off as like it's not worth. It could come from any source, that brokenness in you. It could come from family. It could come from the way you were raised. It could come from a a trauma. It could come from an incident that happened in your life. But the only thing that can really fix it is surrender to him and let him get deep inside of your soul and let him work. And he will bring reconciliation to that and he will bring blessing to that area that's broken. That's the only thing that saved us. I mean, it, it wasn't just from behaving in a different way. It wasn't until there was a repent, repentance in us for what we had been doing that was adversarial to hurt each other. There was a, because it got to that. I mean, you know when you get to the point where you just resentful of each other. Um, but there had to become a repentance in both of us and then a surrender to heal the brokenness. Because we didn't want our kids um, growing up in a broken home. Um, not that God can't redeem a broken home, but we we were we were on the verge of just like throwing it all away because we were broken and we were hurt and we were angry. And it wasn't until I repent, Lord, I repent. I've been doing this my way and I need to do it your way. Heal me. I'm not. It's not all her. It's not all her. I I recognize this is something to me. It wasn't just my parents. This is something that I've walked into myself. I need you to open this up and heal me. So, what else? Pastor, let out yet? Looking after you've been living for as long as I have. I've, I've been talking to a young lady mm-hmm. now for four days. Four days? Four days, out. yeah. Serious, there's, some, there's someone here locally introduced me to her, a Christian friend who introduced right. me to her. And I know I'm approaching some. but pray, pray, pray. And yeah. when you finish doing that, pray some more.
0: Thank you uh, yeah. you want to church, Jason Levin's. Cindy up here
1: and her mom sitting up front. They, they, they hey, went, you're not supposed to this. say names. We, we all <laughs> had <laughs> a class together okay. when we were
2: growing up. Yep. At, down in Canova, they
1: would teach us about these things years yep. ago, so it's nothing new to us. Yeah. And those that lean up on the Lord, God there shall. Go. There you go. God shall yeah you You don't lean on your own understanding right because that's the thing that when you you get in pride with that yes really do anybody else it is a problem i've had in the past absolutely and god's brought me through and tremendous things what were you
2: saying no i just wanted to say as a kid the biggest thing on there stuck out to me about everything Please have an open conversation in your home. We allowed any yes. anything we were allowed to talk about. If I was, there were things kids talked about in public school that instead of going to them and feeling stupid because I didn't know something, maybe it was sexual, maybe it wasn't, and, you know, I could go to them and say, What is this? And they were like, Don't bring gonna,
1: shame. They did Don't not bring shame. shame. Them for saying that. I or, wasn't brought right. to shame.
2: I wasn't taught things were. Dirty and bad, and you shouldn't talk about that. No, there were contexts for things, and we always had an open home. And I think that that really changed a relationship. And I can say that we all three, and now our, you know, in-laws too, even have close relationship with our parents. And a lot of people ask about that, and that is the biggest thing. I can feel like I can go to my mom and dad about anything, and I just continue to feel like that. And I really think that that started to change as a teenager. So if you've got teenagers, even in fifth, I remember coming home in fifth grade asking questions, you know, sixth grade, seventh grade, you know, the questions started getting more intense. Ooh. Eighth, ninth grade started asking questions about God, you know, yeah. and so all these things, I was allowed to talk about it. If I was having feelings, if going, kids going through puberty, I mean, that's a big stage not, to go and talk to your parents about that and not be ashamed.
1: A lot of that rebuke that parents would throw back is fear because they don't know what to say. It's like you. How dare you ask that question? You know, Pastor Chuck tells stories of that. Like he would have questions about like, like spiritual things, <laughs> and he would question it, and he would just get like, like you're getting it. You know, don't you dare ask that. How dare you? And he was like, What? I just, I, you know, I can see him now. What? Like Elias? What? I just asked you a question. I don't understand. <laughs> I didn't, you know. He was questioning something back then and it was like hilarious when you hear it now like what he was questioning is that. but it challenged what his dad grew up and what did that believe and so he was just like yeah but i don't get it like that don't make any sense the bible says this here and this over here and it's like contradictory right dad he's like don't you, you know. <laughs> the key the key is though i do tell the kids please 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 try to be respectful yeah. because when you come off with attitude i can't we can't help it <laughs> there's something that rises up in every human that gets defensive and it's just like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know but i mean if if you can cultivate that you know hey dad you know hey mom why in the world did we do this you know or why you know they started questioning Little, we try to do it with so Samuel was really younger than they were, so he was like, Why is this bad and that's good? I don't understand, you know. It's just an honest kid question. That when I was his age, it was like, Don't you ask that. <laughs> a lot of that I uh, know now as a parent was because dad didn't know the answer, <laughs> right? <laughs> it wasn't because he was like evil or something, he just didn't know what to say. So, um, Guys, thank you all for our opportunity to talk tonight. We're going along but if you all need anything afterwards, Pastor Joe, you want to close this out? I want you to close this out um, because I want you. To, I want you.
0: This is you. Uh, I've I've soaked up a lot, and I, I, I want you to close this out. Um, this will be up on podcast tomorrow. Oh, cool! Uh, for those of you who have a spouse that maybe was in another class or. just questions they have, this was what this this whole life class was supposed to be. It, very Thank awesome. Very awesome. Thank oh, you. I well. one more thing? Which I'm sorry.
2: Yeah. Um, I just, like, speak for all the singles in here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, just, like, even this information, I know it was, like, geared towards, like, marriage and family and stuff like that, but if you, like, desire to have that in your life, go ahead and make those models of yourself now. Um, because this is, you know, marriage is a two person job. And so, um That's just good. Just do That's everything really that you can to make sure you're up to par, what you want to see um, in your spouse. Make sure it's in you first. And, like, I mean, single pringle, but I soak it up with them. Like, I soak <laughs> it all up because it's just like I desire to have a marriage one day. So, why would I not work at it now and get good at it now before I'm even?
1: yeah and it doesn't you can change your trajectory it doesn't matter where you're at like we we talked about history we all come from different walks of life different backgrounds different models us. you can stop the curse now okay too if there's something that's just been like toxic in your life that you've dealt with and you've even helped perpetuate it can stop that's the thing about God he is so good he is so good and such a loving God he wants such good for you and is you know we are no different, okay? We are no different from what? When God showed me you are no better than that little girl who wasn't he's in church. You're no different than her. And if you want to know something, let me ask you a question. God told me this one time. He said, you try to be all this big spiritual guy. He said, where were you when her dad left? Where were you when she was abandoned? I was there, not you. Every Christmas as she cried her eyes out. I was there, not you. And so just recognize that God loves you so much in your brokenness. He never abandoned you. If anything, he's close. He's close. He's really, really close. He wants so much good for you. And it's it's right there. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the blessing. The blessing you have for. Father, you love your children so much, you want the very best for them. Father, you redeem them from the curse of the law, because Jesus was made a curse for them. So all the stuff that happens, this brokenness and this, this destruction and toxicity and hurt and pain, it's not your will. It is, it is not your will. You desire for us to walk in the life, the the life in Christ Jesus that is free from the law of sin and death, free from the curse. So Lord, I pronounce blessing upon your people. That's what you told me tonight when I was talking bless, bless them, bless them. So Lord, I pray your blessing, that spiritual blessing, that heritage of blessing that will go on their children's children and go a thousand generations. That your word will not return unto you void. It's going to perpetuate a legacy, a heritage of godliness through generations to come. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in every family here, in every individual. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.
0: Hey, I just want to thank you for listening to this week's message. If it encouraged you, share it with someone. We all are on this Christian walk together. We're a body of believers that should be strengthening each other. So if it touched your heart, share it with someone else. If you want to become a part of community we meet every Wednesday night at 7:30 after worship at 2400 Johnstown Road Christ Temple Church in beautiful Huntington West Virginia we would love to have you a part of our service and we'd love to meet you but most importantly just make sure reach out if you're in need of prayer or if you just need more community